truth to edify and encourage one another and to lift up Jesus. It is great to see you here this morning, both members and visitors alike. Let's go please together to God in a word of prayer. O great and masterful Heavenly Father, hallowed be your great and amazing name. Thank you so very much for Jesus, your great Son, whom you so willingly sent to die on that cruel, cruel cross of Calvary. And he came and he died that we might live. And we're forever thankful. This morning, Lord God, as we worship you, we pray, Lord God, that you will take our minds from all worldly thought, that you'll keep us focused only on your word, your will, and your way. And bless us, Lord God, to receive your word and plant it, knowing that this word is able to save our souls. Please strengthen us and protect us and guard us from the evil one. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray and thank thee for be thy will. Amen. Psalm 119, please. We have an advocate is going to be our lesson for this morning. And an advocate is uh, one who is summoned, uh, called to one side, especially called to one side as for a defense. And so you think about maybe a, uh, a legal attorney who uh, is called alongside for us to stand for us in our behalf. But, but with Jesus, it's a little, a little different and something more to that. And I want to get to that through, uh, throughout this lesson this morning. Are we willing that we're much weaker than we have often acknowledged? As humans, we like to think that we're strong, but pretty vulnerable and a whole lot weaker. And we confess our desperate need for Jesus, our Lord and Savior. When John opens up chapter 2, John says, I write these things so that you do not sin, but if you do sin. He goes into talking about that, and we'll, we'll come to that in just, in just a moment. I believe that most Christians, if not all of us, at least we start out this way, we really try hard not to sin. We try to live perfectly. And life happens. We, we grab scriptures and we gravitate to scriptures like Psalm 119 and verse Verse 11, thy word I've hidden in my heart. And then that purpose behind it, you know, so that I will not sin against thee. And so I don't want to sin. And so I understand, please turn to Matthew 26. I understand that I have to take God's word and implant it deep, deep into my heart. And so we try to do that. And then Jesus tells us as he's uh, going to the cross and he's talking to his apostles, he gives us information and he says to them in Matthew 26, in verse uh, 41, he says to the apostles, keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So we, we recognize our own vulnerabilities, right? Revelation, please, chapter 12. The spirit is willing, but, it, but it's the flesh of man that, that is weak. And so we recognize our, our weaknesses, we acknowledge our weaknesses. And then Revelation 12 and verse 10, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, 
who accuses them before our God day and night, thus revealing to us our desperate need for an advocate. I'm going to come back to that in just, just a second. Matthew chapter 7, please. Thank God that we have a supreme advocate. And our supreme advocate, he knows our weaknesses. And he's made us. How could anyone, think about this for just a moment. How could anyone plead their case of righteousness to God? On judgment day. Anyone. Is there anyone here who has a good case? Matthew 7 and verse 21, Not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye who practice lawlessness. And so in their minds, they were pleading their case. And they were saying, God, look at all this great stuff I did for you. Isaiah 64, please. Look at, look at me, Jesus. In Isaiah 64, everything is kind of put into perspective. See, God, I did my best. I gave you my best. Isn't my best good enough? And God says, by way of inspiration, in Isaiah 64 and verse 6, For all of us became like one who was unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy garment. And all of us, whether we like, uh, wither, excuse me, like a leaf, and our iniquities like wind take us away. So who could plead their own case before God? First John, please. Chapter 2. Who could plead? You say, God, I offer you the filthiest deeds. I offer you my filthy... I offer you my... Who could plead their case against God? We need desperately an advocate. And God gave us one. 1 John 2, beginning in verse 1. My little children, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is a propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. And so God says, I've set this up for you. I've I've established this for you, that you might be saved. Now, lots of folks try to go outside of the advocate to approach God or to be saved. But you cannot, we cannot, stand before God with filthy rags. And expect to have an ability to plead our case for righteousness. But then, a great question comes up. What does that look like? What does it look like to stand before God and have an advocate speak in your behalf? What does it look like to have God defend us? Zechariah, please. Because that's exactly where we are, right? We're talking about Jesus and the greatness of the Messiah. Zechariah chapter 3, we find the redemption through our God. The advocate, our God. Zechariah 3 and verse 1, Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord. 
and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. Turn back to Job for just a moment. We'll come back over here and, and grab this text. So, so here, here's Joshua the high priest. He's standing before God and, and Satan is standing alongside him. He's not an advocate, but he's standing as an accuser. And like in the book of Job, Job 1 and, and verse 6, Job shows us, that the text shows us that Satan is a busybody. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. You know what that verse tells me? Somebody brought him here this morning. He might have come with me, I don't know, but he's here. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? And then Satan answered the Lord and said, from roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. Now Peter tells us why he's doing that. He's looking for someone to devour, 1 Peter chapter 5. And the Lord said to Satan, verse 8, have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. And then Satan answered the Lord, Does Job fear God? For nothing. I want you to think about these questions for just a moment, okay? Do you fear God for nothing? Why do you fear God this morning? Why, why are you here this morning? Maybe, maybe someone made you come. Maybe someone invited you. Maybe you're convicted and say, there's no other place to be. Maybe you had nothing to do today. Maybe today was, maybe today is a special, why are you here today? Job, do you fear God? I'll tell you what, I know you don't fear God for nothing. There's a reason that you fear God, Job. And Satan says, hast thou not made a hedge about him and his house and all that he has on every side. Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. He says, I'll tell you something. I know why Job fears you, because you keep giving him stuff. Is that why I fear God? Is that why I'm here today? God gave me some stuff. What if God gave me nothing? What if I were in abject poverty, and I had nothing, and I had no hope? of gaining, gaining anything but just the clothing on my back that are given to me by someone else. Would I fear God? Would I serve God? Would I love God? Job, Job teaches us through Satan that maybe, maybe the preacher wouldn't. Maybe you wouldn't. Verse 11. Put forth thy hand now. Touch all that he has. You know, surely cursed he did I face. Satan says, look, I'm standing next to Job, and I'm telling you, God, these humans that you made, you touch their skin, you touch their body, you take their stuff, and they'll curse you to your face. Oh, he's got us pegged, doesn't he? Look at, all the, look at all the people of the world who curses God to his face. Sometimes even children of God. Because we're upset, we love our lives the way things are. But once God shakes us up a little bit, we walk away. Once God tells us, no, so many Christians walk away. Once I don't get what I want, we walk away from the Lord. 
Satan has us pegged. Look at chapter 2. It's, it's not on your PowerPoint. Listen, verse 11. I'm going backwards, excuse me. Verse, verse 4. Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yes, all that a man has, he will give for his life. Yeah, maybe. Maybe so. However, put forth thy hand now and, and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse thee to thy face. Oh, he, Satan, Satan has his peg, church. He knows about us. We're so fleshly. Jesus said it. The flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. And then we have to learn as God's people how to let the spirit control the flesh instead of the flesh controlling the spirit. Because the flesh is weak, but the spirit is able because God is able. So what does this look like? So here, here Joshua, Zechariah, please, chapter 3. Here Joshua standing before God. And Joshua, let me tell you something about Joshua. Joshua is guilty. And so am I. And so are you. And anyone that says they haven't sinned is a liar. I'm guilty. And here I stand before God and, and the accuser stands next to me and he's pleading a case against me and he has a record book and he, he starts going through the book and he says, uh, on this date right here, October 1st, and he starts listing my sins. And all I can do is stand there with my mouth open and say, God, he's right. I'm guilty. And anyone that says they have no sin, guilty. I am, I am guilty as charged. But we have an advocate. When you stand before God, when we stand before God, we want it to be like the case of an advocate speaking in our behalf, like Joshua, where he didn't have to utter a word because God spoke in his behalf. Verse 1. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Indeed, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and standing before the angel. And he spoke and said to those who were standing before him, saying, Remove the filthy garments from him. Again he said to him, See, I have taken your iniquity away from you and will clothe you with festal robes. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We have a supreme advocate who's willing to justify us, to redeem us by his power through the blood of Jesus Christ. Listen again to verse 3. Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and standing before the angel. 
he didn't have he didn't have he didn't have a, a, a case at all. I mean, not only were his deeds filthy, he was filthy. Standing before the judge. You know how we look when we go before the judge. A lot of us, we dress better before the judge than we do before our God. We'll wear some really nice clothing when you go before the judge so you look presentable, right? So you can give an outward look. Look how good I am, judge. But Joshua was filthy. And yet, God stood in his behalf. And there was a question that, that Job, he, he asked this question in chapter 14. In Job 14, he asked a beautiful question. He thinks about himself and his own life and his own relationship with the Lord. And though, though he was a good man, the Bible tells us that a blameless man, an upright man, fearing God, turning away from evil, in chapter 2, he held fast his integrity. And yet Job asked this question in Job 14 and verse 14. He asked a question. Verse 4, rather, excuse me. Who can make the clean out of the unclean? No one. Oh, only God. Only God can take a clean thing and make it unclean. Or take an unclean thing and make it clean. But our God makes the unclean clean. Jesus, Hebrews chapter 9, came to the earth and he showed us that it's not the old law that we're following, but rather the new law that cleanses us. In chapter 9, in verse, verse 13, For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer are sprinkling those who have been defiled, sanctified the cleansing of the flesh, how much more Will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish of God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? How much more? And then in John 1 and verse 29, uh, John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And that's exactly what our God has done. We have an advocate. First John, please. Chapter Chapter 2. Chapter 2. My little children, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. He's not just an advocate. We recognize He's God. He's not just God. He is the only satisfaction to the Godhead for the sins of the whole world. And when I step back and think about the sins of the whole world, I'm, I get stuck with me. What about just me? How much blood did it take just to save me? Verse 2 says, And he himself is a propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for all those, for those of the whole world. And about sin, in verse 5 it says, And this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. And if we say that we have 
fellowship with him. And yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, his son cleanses us from all sin. How does he do that? He's our advocate. Right. He continually, through his blood, cleanses us. But we've got to do something. If we say, verse, verse 9, 8 rather, if we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not his. And so this morning I ask you, just to, just to take a quick inventory of yourself. Acknowledge you're guilty. And then ask God for forgiveness. Acknowledge it. You have to acknowledge it. If we walk around and pretend that just because I have a suit on, I'm perfect. I'm in trouble. Acknowledge that I'm walking Jesus and I'm, I'm striving to please you, Jesus. But I've got to admit, I have sinned. I'm filthy without you. In verse 9 it says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. I don't want to be a liar, God. I'm just going to tell the truth. You see me now. I'm just going to tell the truth. I have sinned. How about you? Chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. Can I just stay right there? Well, I don't know, preacher, if I've sinned. Beloved, let us love one another. You got some folks you don't love right now? Are there some folks you're hating on right now? You, you want me to start naming them? Uh, they're outside of our country trying to come into our do I, can I start right there? You got some folks you're not loving right now? My, my brother across the way? My sister across the way? You got some folks that have ever done you wrong and you're having a problem loving them right now? God, I've sinned. How about you? Hmm? You've seen the hatred in America? You, you're going to tell me you, you don't see the hatred in America and sometimes it's in me? How about the vengeance? Huh? You hate me, so I hate you. Right? Oh, wait, how about this one? I hate a man I never met and don't even know. We've got sin. We need you, Jesus. Help us, please, because we're in trouble. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Preacher, I know God. I love God. But you hate your brother. You don't love God. You cannot possibly love God if you don't love his creation. Oh. I think Jesus said something like that's murder. If I'm not mistaken, Matthew 5. To hate your brother. To hate humanity. Something's going on in my head. Verse 8. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we love God, 
but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. God, I'm struggling with humanity. I'm struggling with myself. (sighs) What do you think, church? We need our advocate. Hebrews, please, chapter chapter 2, in verse, beginning of verse 14. Our advocate pleads our case. When I stand before God and, and God starts asking me and calling me to account and saying, Preacher, preacher, why did you not love that person? I start giving my, well, well Lord, I just, see, I don't want to be in that position where I have to talk. Instead, I want to have made that right with God and said, God, I was wrong and I've sinned. Please help me and help my unbelief. Change me, transform me. And then when I stand before God and God says, Tony, why don't you love your brother? My advocate steps up and says, Father, he made that right. He's all right. Allow him to enter into the joys of heaven. Church, we, we need our advocate, but it's something you have to do. You've got to confess. We have to confess. Verse 14 of Hebrews chapter 2. Since then the children share in flesh and blood. He himself likewise also partook of the same. That through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death. That is the devil. And might deliver those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. For surely he does not give help to angels. But he gives help to the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in all things, that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people to be like us for just a moment, but not in sin, only in the flesh. To be our mediator, to speak, to be the go-between between between me and, and the heavenlies, to speak to the Father. Aren't you just, just amazed? Turn to First Timothy, please, uh, chapter, chapter 2. Aren't you just amazed, mesmerized, thankful? He's listening to me? Just little old me? God, why are you listening to me? I'm guilty. Because, son, you have an advocate. Thank you, God. First Timothy 2 in the verses 5. For there is one God and one mediator, also between God and men, the man Jesus Christ. Okay. Allow me to, I'm going to close this lesson out, but I, I, need to give you, I need to give you two scriptures before we, just to kind of wind us down and close us out. Because I want to know what it looks like. What does it look like? We look at Zechariah. We look, we look at chapter 3. We, we see the greatness of our, of our God. And, we, and we, we're so thankful. Thank you, God. And, you know, justice comes in. And justice demands something. When, when God looks at me, justice demands that I die. How about you? When justice, when justice comes in front of you, does it demand that you die? Or, or can you stand upright and say, not me. First John, First John chapter 1 talked about this. It, it's amazing that, that Jesus died on the cross. Here's what I know. 
I'm going to say this kindly. I wouldn't have given my son for any one of you. And you wouldn't have given your son for me. So we don't need to pretend like we're righteous, right? Keep in mind, these were wicked, evil people. And, and, and God gave his son to wicked, evil people to torture, crucify, to execute, to destroy, and even to defy God himself. But God's great love, he gave his son. I wouldn't have given my son. And the Bible says in Romans 5, we wouldn't even give our sons for a righteous man. I know sometimes that shocks you a little bit. And you go, well, wait a minute, preacher. You can't say that. It's the truth. <laughs> right? I'm being honest with you. Won't you be honest with me? I know most of the world wouldn't even... Someone, I heard one person say, I wouldn't spit on you if you were on fire. That's how much hatred is in our world today. We've got to learn how to love each other. And we can look at our advocate and say, thank you, God, for fixing it. He fixed it, but you've got to do your part. What does it look like? What does it look like? You're standing before God and you're, and you're guilty. And Satan is standing right next to you and Satan says, preacher... You didn't love man like God loved man. God gave his only son. You wouldn't give your son or your daughter either. You've got to be more like God. God, he's guilty. And I would stand there and I would say, Lord, I'm guilty. Lord, the preacher didn't love. The preacher got angry sometimes. And he can go through the whole list. And I have to stand there and say, I'm guilty. But thank you, God, that I don't have to talk on Judgment Day because of the advocate. What does it look like? Let's close. Matthew 27. Two scriptures, and I'll let you go. Matthew 27, in verse 35. When Jesus, uh, on the, the, the last day of his life, on this earth, in the flesh, as, as, as the man Jesus, the Bible says he was hung. Verse 35 says, And when they had crucified him, they divided up his garments among themselves, casting lots. And sitting down, they began to keep watch over him there. And they put up above his head the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. At that time, two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And they were robbers. They were, they were guilty. <laughs> and they were being crucified for their crimes. And there was this mocking going on about who Jesus is. And, you know, save yourself if you're the son of God. If you really are who you say you are. Luke 23. And then, out of nowhere, something happened. Verse 41, one of those robbers said, we're guilty. We indeed justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom.
What if Jesus wasn't God? Remember what? Did, did you just? But thank God that we have an advocate. He said to him, truly, I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. So when he stood before God in judgment, he didn't have to talk. This morning, that can be you. Number one, if you're a member of the body of Christ, you, you've got things in your life that you need to make right with God, make them right. Here's a great opportunity to do so. Perhaps when you leave this building and you go home and you talk to people, go home and say, I'm sorry. Go home and fix the stuff that you're, that you're guilty of, that you can fix. Fix it with God. If you're not a child of God, you, you can have God speaking in your behalf. You hear his word, you believe it, you are willing to repent of godly sorrow. It bothers you to know that Jesus died because of my sin. Confess his name. You repented, you've heard it, you believed it, you confess his name. You baptize immersed in water for the remission of your sins. God will remove your sins, give you the gift of the Holy Spirit, and make you one with him. And then you can say what the Bible says. We have an advocate who will speak in our behalf. The lesson is yours this morning. If there's anything we can do to help, please make it known. While together we stand and sing our song of invitation. Why don't you come?